a fly in the ointment. You guys familiar with this phrase? I don't know how old you have to be to know this phrase, but it's an idiom, it's a saying. And some of you are like, oh, you probably know it, but like, yeah, I don't really know it. I've kind of heard it, didn't really know what it meant, but it comes from Ecclesiastes 10. And it means that like a little thing, small, bad thing can ruin everything. That's, that's what it means. Like a fly in the perfumer's ointment will make the whole perfume batch stink. So one little dead fly ruins the whole thing. So maybe you're not familiar with the phrase, a fly in the ointment. Maybe that's not how you talk all the time. And maybe we need to teach this teenagers to use that as part of their lingo. But like, we don't, we don't know that phrase, but you know that idea really well. You know how true that is, that one little thing, one little mistake, one little misstep can, can cause a ton of damage, can ruin everything real, real quick. In fact, you've probably seen videos about it. Like, one little mistake ruins everything. Savvy, you got that video? Let's roll that. Like it just kept going. It was ridiculous. Like that one little, just one little steering in the wrong direction hit the side of it and the whole warehouse was destroyed. And so we know this is true. Like we know that one little mistake can create so much damage. Just like it just keeps going. And that's, that's what he's saying. And in, in, in chapter 10, verse 1, dead flies make, a, make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. It ruins the whole batch. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. A little mistake, man, it, it just causes everything to go astray, causes everything to go awry. And that, that seems to be, in a lot of ways, what he's saying. In, in the book of Ecclesiastes, we've been walking through this book, chapter by chapter, right, verse by verse. And the book of Ecclesiastes has this one overarching meaning, like, hey, don't waste your life. Don't waste your life chasing after things that won't bring you meaning and purpose and satisfaction. And we're all looking for meaning and purpose and satisfaction. He's saying, yeah, that's fine, but just stop looking for it in the wrong places. Stop wasting your life by chasing after these things that can't satisfy you. And then in chapter 10, instead of don't waste your life and, and, and all the things that we've heard, he kind of ratchets it up a little bit and he says, and don't be foolish. Don't, don't be a fool. Because, man, one, one little mistake, one little misstep it can ruin everything. And so he starts off with that illustration. He starts off with that, uh, you know, hey, this one dead fly in the batch of perfume, it makes the whole thing stink. It makes the whole thing wrong. And he's saying, hey, don't be foolish. And then if you go all the way to the end of chapter 10 and verse 20, he kind of amplifies it out a little bit more. And he says, even in your thoughts, do not curse the king, nor in your bedroom curse the rich, for a bird of the air will carry your voice, or some winged creature will tell the matter. Do you see what he just said? It's kind of weird. It says, even if you're thinking bad thoughts about the king, a little bird or a winged creature might take it and tell the king, which is kind of like Harry Potter, all right? It's like, what, what? I was just thinking it, and a bird went and told it, or an owl or something? Like, it's kind of weird. But some of you are like, I don't know if the Bible's really relevant. Back here in the Old Testament, he referenced Twitter, basically, like right there. How many lives have been destroyed with less than 140 characters? 
I mean, one little thing, one little mistake. Careers have been ended. Jobs have been lost. Like, people have been canceled because of one little tweet that they sent out there thinking this is going to be harmless, and it, and it messed everything up. And the whole chapter, he seems to be saying, don't be foolish, because a little foolishness can ruin everything. So guard yourself against that. Now, when the Bible says, don't be foolish, or when the Bible talks about foolishness or folly or being a fool, what the Bible's talking about is not necessarily like a lack of intellect or a lack of education because foolishness can happen to anyone. Doesn't matter what degrees you have on the wall, you can all, we can all be foolish. So what the Bible really talks about with foolishness is this idea that we're living our lives apart from God, that we're saying we don't need God, we're rejecting God and his plan for our life. That's what the Bible is really pointing out. And so what he's warning against here is this idea that we would walk away from God's plan for our life, that we would try to find meaning and purpose in something that's not God, like all the things that he's been talking about. And so here in this chapter, with these proverb-like sayings that he's going to kind of pile up for us, it just... What it seems like he's doing is saying, hey, hey, guard yourself against foolishness. We all have this tendency to wander away, and so guard yourself against that. So there's some observations we can make as we walk through this chapter that I think will help us understand what foolishness, biblical foolishness looks like so we can guard ourselves against this and then get to the place where we pursue wisdom as the answer to that. And the first observation is this. A fool's heart leads him to the wrong path. A fool's heart leads him to the wrong path. So after verse 1, when he gives this illustration of the uh, flying the ointment, in verse 2 he says, A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. Hold on, wait, before you get your highlighter out and say, I found a political verse in my Bible, let me just say, that's not what he's talking about here, okay? He's talking about the wise man finds the right way to live the right path. And then what he says, when he says left, what he's just saying is the opposite. The fool goes to the opposite path. Of the, the wise man's going to find the right path, and the fool's going to find the left path, which is the opposite of the right one. And, and let me just tell you, I know some of you are probably left-handed in here, and let me just say, the, the Bible kind of prefers right-handedness. <laughs> I didn't make it up. It's just in the Bible. The Bible kind of prefers right-handedness. And so it's kind of say right hand, left hand, right hand's better, left hand's not so good. And so I, I know that's not news to you really because you know that all of life really is like that for left-handers. Like everything's kind of against you, right? Like the way they set up the desk for the, all the stuff. Like, and, and that's a big deal to you and that's, I'm right-handed so I don't care. But like that's, that's something that you guys have to deal with. But all he's really saying is like the, the wise man finds the right path and the foolish man does not. He goes the opposite direction. The, the fool's heart keeps leading him to the wrong path. In the, in the context, we're talking about rejecting God. Here's what it says in Psalm 14, verse 1. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. What's the biblical definition of a fool? It's somebody who says there is no God. And, and it may mean that you're not saying, I don't believe in God, it's just you're saying, I don't need him. I don't care what he says. I'm going to do things my way. I, I know that God's saying, like, follow me this way. And the, the fool's like, yeah, but I think I'm going to try this way. I think this will work better. I think this is where I need to go. And the fool's heart 
keeps leading him to the wrong path. Because Ecclesiastes, the whole Bible tells us that every time we walk away from God's plan for us, every time we walk away from the path that he has for us, every time we walk away from his instruction and we try to find our own path away from God, it's a path that has a dead end. It's a path that leads to destruction. It doesn't bring us what we think it will bring us. It doesn't bring us the freedom and satisfaction and meaning and purpose that we're looking for. It it leads us to a place that we really don't want to be. And so the fool's heart is leading him to that wrong path, causing him to walk away from God, and he's not going to find what he's looking for. So some writer of Ecclesiastes is warning us, "Don't, don't do that. Don't be that fool. Don't walk away from God's plan for you because it'll be the wrong path that you're on. And then then the next thing that he seems to be saying here is that a fool's choices bring him negative consequences. So in in, in the passage here, he starts talking about rulers and how uh, even even kings and even uh, people in authority can do foolish things, which is that reminder that it's not about education or degrees or status or wealth. It's like foolish, anybody can be foolish at any time. And then he goes into these, these proverbs to kind of point out that a fool's choices bring him negative consequences. That when a, when a fool walks away from God's plan, he starts to do things on his own, he starts to step outside of God's plan for his life, the negative consequences can begin to pile up. And so I want you to see this in verse 8. He says, he who digs a pit will fall into it, and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones is hurt by them, and he who splits logs is endangered by them. So it's just a couple of proverbs that on the surface, they sound like, okay, that, that, that could happen to anybody, right? Like that's not just a foolish thing if you dig a pit and then you accidentally fall into it. That could happen to any of us. But in the context of what he's talking about in this chapter, what he seems to be saying is the fool's not careful. The fool digs a pit and then he just falls right into it because he doesn't take proper precautions. He doesn't like section it off. He just dug a big hole and he's just like, yeah, just leave it open. It'll be fine. The, the fool's going to break through a wall without first seeing if snakes live in that wall, which is a common problem in, in Israel. Like they would build their walls out of these rocks and there'd be little cracks and crevices where snakes could go in and make their home or their den or their nest or their whatever snakes make. And then you knock down that wall and you didn't check to make sure and then the snake comes out and bites you. Like that's a fool being careless. It's a fool not, not being taking proper precautions. It's a reminder of Proverbs 14 verse 16 says, one who is wise is cautious and turns away from evil, but a fool is reckless and careless. And it seems like an echo of that in Ecclesiastes 10. The fool's He's knocking down walls without checking what's in there first. He's digging pits and he's not, uh, you know, putting up some barriers so people are falling in. He's falling in himself in the pit that he dug. And then he says, if the iron is blunt, verse 10, and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. So you heard the phrase, work smarter, not harder. Maybe this comes from Ecclesiastes 10, verse 10. If the iron's blunt... If your axe is not sharp, then you got to swing a lot harder to hit that thing. you got to, to cut up the wood. If you would just stop and be wise and sharpen the axe, then you don't have to work quite as hard. But what does a fool do? He doesn't care. He just rushes in. He just, I'll, just, I'll just swing harder. I'll just keep hitting. And he doesn't sharpen his axe. And so he's, he's basically pointing out that the fool is reckless and the fool is careless and the fool doesn't take the proper precautions. And so negative consequences keep piling up. 
He's, he's lifting stones and he's hurt by them because he's not using proper lifting form, obviously, right? He's lifting with his back instead of his legs like a fool and he hurts himself, he throws out his back. So the fool is not being cautious, not taking those, he's just being reckless, he's being careless and he's not wearing safety uh, eye protection when he's cutting logs and so splinters get up in his eye. Like all these things are just pointing out that the fool is not very careful and so negative consequences come. And then here's what he says in verse 11. Guys, this is so helpful. If the serpent bites before it's charmed, there's no advantage to the charmer. Amen? I mean, just stop and think about that for a second. Let's meditate on that, and then I'll pray and we'll be done because I don't understand what that really means. That the, it's just a, there's some random stuff in this passage that, like even the commentators are like, yeah, we're not sure what he was talking about. The serpent bites before you can charm it. That's no advantage to you. And when I was reading that, I was thinking about that time I was in Morocco. I was really in Morocco, in Marrakesh, Morocco, and we went to this market, and there were snake charmers, like real-life snake charmers out in this market. And I wanted to get a picture of the snake charmers because I'd never seen that in real life. I'm like, I'm going to go get a picture. And I got too close. Not to the snake. I got too close to the snake charmer. Because he grabbed me and he pulled me aside and he reached in this basket and he pulled out this snake and he wrapped it around my neck and told me I needed to kiss it to bring myself good luck. And the whole thing felt really foolish. Um, it was one of my most foolish moments, really. And that's about the only way I can really understand this verse. Like, it just seems like maybe the fool is saying, oh, there's a snake, I can become a snake charmer. And instead of learning how to do that, he just like, yoink, you know, he's picking up the snake, like this will be great, and the snake bites him. Maybe that's what he's saying, but overall in this passage, what he's saying is like, fools are careless. Fools are reckless. They don't think through everything. And what happens? Consequences. They mount up on them. So here you have a whole practical, like it's working, like, Cutting logs and lifting rocks, like very practical stuff. But let's talk about what, what we're, like the biblical definition of foolishness is rejecting God, walking away from his plan for your life. And what happens when, when we do that? It doesn't go well. Consequences begin to pile up on us. Those consequences are a grace that God gives us to turn our hearts back to him. Oh, man, I'm going the wrong way. I need to get back on the right path. That's a grace that he gives us. But a lot of times we step out of bounds. We start following something other than God, start valuing, treasuring, pursuing. And then consequences come because of our foolish choices. And instead of turning back to God, what do we do? We're like, shake our fists at God. I can't believe you'd let this happen to me. Why is this? Like, we're missing what he's trying to do. Like the consequences are designed to turn us back to God, turn our hearts back to him. And the fool ignores it. The fool just keeps on doing what he's doing. The same thing over and over, same, making the same mistake all the time. He's being reckless. He's being careless. The fool's choices bring him negative consequences. And from there, um, the writer here of Ecclesiastes is going to talk about the fool's speech. And he's going to say that a fool's speech consumes him. So once you look at verse 12, it says, The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be, and who can tell him what will be after him? And it's just a picture of the fool always has something to say and always wants to hear himself talk. 
The fool's just talking. The fool's just got words. He's multiplying his words. It doesn't make sense at the beginning. It doesn't make sense at the end. But the fool wants to hear himself talk. The fool's quick to speak and slow to listen. And the Bible talks a whole lot about that, that the the foolish person in the Bible is someone who is wise in his own eyes, who thinks he's got it right, who's figured it all out, who's ignoring everybody else and who refuses to listen because he's talking too much. Because he's talking about his plans and what he's going to do. In fact, it says that. He, he's speaking and multiplying words even though he doesn't know what is to come. So he's making plans. He says, yeah, I'm going to do this. And he doesn't know what the future is. No one can. And the fool acts like he does, does. And he's saying, stop using so many words. It looks like foolishness. And Plato said the wise man speaks because he has something to say. And the fool speaks because he has to say something. And he's talking about the fool who's like, Listen to me. Look at me. I've got it all figured out. If you go back to verse 3 in chapter 10, he says, Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense, and he says to everyone that he is a fool. And the picture there is this fool who's living his life. He's on the wrong path, and he thinks, I'm fine. And everybody can look at him and say, that's not the right path. Everybody can look at him and say, that path is leading to a dead end. Everybody can look at him and say, all those consequences are because of your foolish choices. And the fool's just walking down the road going, no big deal. I'm doing fine. I got it all figured out. The foolish person is talking. Otherwise, they're quick to listen. In fact, it says this in, in the Proverbs. Proverbs 12, 15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Man, that's such a great picture for every one of us. The way of the fool, I'm right in my own eyes. I got this figured out. I don't need anybody else telling tell me what to do. The wise man, he wants advice. He's listening. Proverbs 18, 2. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding... I'm not, not here to learn, but only in expressing his opinion. That's, that's a picture of the fool. I, I, don't, I don't have anything to learn. I've got it all figured out. Listen to me. Let me talk. Let me share. Just expressing his opinion. The, the wise understands that life is hard. Ecclesiastes is telling us over and over again. Life's hard. It's confusing sometimes. It's difficult. We can't do it. Can't figure it out. And the wise person says, you know what? I need other people to help me. I need somebody else because I can't do this on my own. That's why at Crosspoint, as much as we love Sunday morning because we believe the church ought to gather together and worship together and sit under the teaching of God's word together, we think that's super important. We also think it's just as important that you're in community. That you're doing life with other people that are also understanding life's hard and difficult and sometimes confusing. It doesn't make sense. And I need people to help me. And you and I, like, we need that. We need other people that will speak truth into our lives all the time. When we're doing the right thing, they can encourage us. When we're stepping out of bounds, they can call us back. We need people that will do that. Not just that, guys. We need to give permission to people to do that. We need to, we need to tell people, like, you have permission, if you see me walking out of bounds, to call me back. We, we need that in our lives. If you're not in community like that, you're, you're on the journey with us to get, like, let's start taking those steps. Let's get you in a connection group. Let's get you in a community group let's, so that you can walk with people like that. My community group, I love my community group. 
we are all in the similar season of life, and that's where we are right now. And man, we come to community group time, and we start sharing our struggles, and we start sharing our joys, and we start sharing our victories. But sometimes we're like, hey, this is going on. I don't know what to do with it. I don't know how to figure it out. What, what do y'all think? And we get to speak into that in those moments, trying to speak truth in that. And you have the sense of everybody's listening. Everybody's trying to learn. We know we don't have all the answers, and we know we need other people to help us. And you need that too. I need that all the time. And so the, the fool, his speech consumes him. The wise is listening. And so this, this is what he says about the fool. A fool's heart leads him to the wrong path. A fool's choices bring him negative consequences, and a fool's speech consumes him. If there was ever a sermon that you wanted to send to somebody else, <laughs> this is the one, right? Oh, I know some people need to listen to this. I'm ready to point some fingers and give some elbows. Before you do that, Ask yourself some questions. Is there a place in your life where you stepped away from God's plan? You thought, yeah, but I think this will be better. Is there a place that you've stepped out of bounds? You're on the wrong path? Maybe it's not your whole life. Maybe it's just an area of your life. Is, are there consequences that have been coming in because of some foolish choices and you haven't turned back to God yet? You haven't changed yet? Are, are you listening? When somebody comes to you and they, they share a concern with you, nobody likes that. I don't like it. It's not fun. I don't want to hear it. But after you get over the emotion of the moment and you realize that that was hard for them to do, and they probably did it only because they were really concerned about me, are you listening? Are you rejecting? Has someone tried to tell you something recently and you said, nah, I don't care? Like this, this is for all of us. Like, He's warning us, don't be foolish. And here's what foolishness looks like. And then he's going to point us to wisdom because wisdom's the only hope, the only way to battle against that, right? Now, in Ecclesiastes, he's told us over and over again that wisdom is not ultimate and wisdom has its limitations. We don't know everything. We can't have all the answers. But when it comes to foolishness, wisdom's always better. It, it may not give us every answer, but it's always better than folly. It's always better than choosing the wrong path. And so wisdom can help us. And wisdom is knowing how to do the right thing. That's biblical wisdom. It's not just knowledge, not just intellect, but it's knowing how to live the right way, to do the right thing. And so wisdom can help us avoid acts of foolishness. And the first way is this, that wisdom can help us find and stay on the right path. Wisdom will help us find and stay on that right path. The, um, the, the fool's heart keeps leading him to the wrong path. And every single one of us, like our hearts are prone to wander, like the old song says. Like we keep, we keep being tempted to walk away from God's plan and his path for our lives. And the wisdom calls us back and wisdom helps us find the right path. The, the summary, the conclusion that we'll get to next week with Ecclesiastes is in the end of matter is this. Fear God, keep his commandments which is all the Bible says, trust God, fear God, do what he says. This is the path of wisdom. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 and 25. He says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Do you see what he says? The person who hears God's word and does God's word, obeys God's word, is a wise man wise woman. 
building their lives on a solid foundation, building a house on a rock. So that, verse 25, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Wisdom looks like that. Wisdom stands this test of the storms of life, all the different things. We can stand firm knowing that we're hearing God's word and we're putting it into practice by the power of his spirit working through my life, not because I'm so good I can do this, but because of his help, I can hear his word and do his word, and that's what wisdom looks like. That's the path that we want to be on. That's the only path that will lead to meaning and purpose and all the things we're looking for. And so the fool's constantly being tempted to wander away from God's path, and wisdom calls us back. It helps us find the right path, helps us to stay on the right path. And when it comes to speaking, wisdom can help us speak with grace and restraint. If you go back to verse 12 again, the words of the wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of the fool consume him. The wise man's mouth, his words win him favor. He uses his speech in a way that is honoring to God. That's what wisdom looks like. The fool's just talking to be heard, just sharing his opinion. The wise is listening and learning, and when he learns, then he gives, gets an opportunity to share what he's learned at the right time and the right occasion. It reminds you of Ephesians 4.29, I know it's a favorite verse of some of you, and some of you have memorized this verse. It's a great verse to memorize and live out. It says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Every, everything about that is wisdom. Like the words that come out of our mouths should be designed to build others up, to encourage them, to strengthen them, to help them. And it's at the right occasion. Our words fit the occasion. How do we do that? With the help of God working through us and trusting in him. That we speak words that are building others up when they need to hear it. So that it would give grace to those who hear. That that's the plan for our words. That's what wisdom in our speech looks like. Not just talking because we have an opportunity to talk. But to actually say things that help people and encourage them and give grace to those who hear. It's a great verse to memorize, a great verse to live out. It's a great prayer to pray. Like, let this be true of me. It's like the psalmist says, may, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, God. Let that be your prayer. That everything I say to my kids, to my family, to my coworkers, to people on the street, whatever it is, like, let it be something that builds up. All right? Wisdom can help us speak this way with grace and restraint. And then he starts talking about work. At the end of this and going into chapter 11, it seems like he says wisdom can help us work and give boldly. If you keep following in chapter 10 and verse 18, he says, through sloth, the roof sinks in, and through indolence, the house leaks. This is, once again, the picture of the fool doesn't maintain or care for the things that he has, so everything starts falling apart. But the wise person's working faithfully, taking care of the stuff that he has so that it doesn't leak, so it doesn't fall apart. And then if you go down to chapter 11 and verse 1, he says, Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north in that place where the tree falls, there it will lie. More wisdom. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. That verse 4 is kind of the guy that's like, well, the conditions aren't right for me to work right now. It's not perfect right now. Weather might change. 
Instead, look at verse 6. In the morning, sow your seed, and at evening, withhold not your hand. For you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. So what is he saying? Like, you don't know the future. Wisdom has its limitations. But the wise person, knowing he doesn't know it all, doesn't know the future, doesn't have all the answers, just keeps working faithfully with what's right in front of him. Just keep going. You don't know if this is going to work or not? Do what he's put in front of you. You know what tomorrow's going to bring? Just be faithful what he's put right in front of you right now. That's what wisdom looks like for every single one of us. And then in there is this hint that basically says, and it's not just for you, but when you gain, be ready to help. Cast your bread on the waters and it'll come back. Give extravagantly to seven or eight. Like, give generously. You work hard, not just so that you can have more stuff, but so that you can give and bless others. It reminds me of the verse right before Ephesians 4.29. Verse 28 says this, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. You see it? Like most of the time, the Bible's talking about us working and being faithful and accumulating things, not just so that we can build our own little kingdoms, but so that we can be generous and help others, so that we can meet needs around us. And the way that you do that is to be faithful to what he's put right in front of you, even if you don't know what's going to happen, even if you don't want to know, know what tomorrow's going to bring. I'm just going to work, and if God blesses me, if he gives to me, I'm going to be willing to give to others. If God is so generous to me, I will be generous to others. And that's what wisdom looks like. Wisdom will help us find the right path, stay on the right path, speak with grace and restraint. Wisdom can help us work and give boldly. Now, let me tell you this. If that's your plan, and I would assume most of you in the place, like, that's my plan. I want to, I want to live with wisdom. I want to follow God's plan for my life. I want to pursue wisdom from him. The one thing that you and I need to know is that the world won't see that as wisdom. The world won't look at us living by this standard and holding on to this truth and the culture that we live in today and go, man, those Christ followers, they are so wise. They'll look at that as foolishness. It won't make sense to the world outside of that. And so the wisdom of God, is, it's different. It's like that upside-down kingdom. And so in, in the context of that, I want to remind you what, what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. He says, for the word of the cross, the gospel, is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, who put our faith and trust in Jesus, it's the power of God. The, the gospel message won't make sense to the people on the outside looking in. But to us, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we know that all of our hope and all power comes from that message, from that truth of the gospel. So that later in verse 22, he says, For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. We preach the gospel. It's a stumbling block to Jews. Why? Because the Jews were trying to earn their way to God with their own righteousness. The self-righteous is always offended by the cross. It's a stumbling block because the cross says you can't earn your way back to God. Jesus had to die to make that possible. So the self-righteous is like, that's a stumbling block. But he says it's folly to the Gentiles. Which they look at that and like, you worship someone who was crucified on a criminal's cross. You worship the story of how he came back to life. These, these myths and these beliefs that you have, they don't make any sense to us. And so the outside unbelieving world will say, that's not wisdom, that's foolishness. And here's what Paul says to that. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, doesn't matter what your background is, Christ is the power of God 
and the wisdom of God. This message of the gospel has all the power you need to bring you back to God, to make you right with God. It's the power of God to save us from our sin and our rebellion. But it's also the wisdom of God to help us live every single day the way he wants us to live it. All our hope for salvation is because of Jesus and the gospel. And all of our hope for living a life that is pleasing to him right here and now, a life characterized by wisdom, is because of the gospel. And so that's what we bank on. That's what we find our hope in. That wisdom won't make sense outside, but it'll be something you can stand on. It'll be something that no matter what the world throws at you, your life will stand for now and for all eternity. So... If you're here today and one of your thoughts is, yeah, I I made a couple mistakes and I've really ruined it. I've messed it up so bad. One little fly in the ointment, one little mistake and I've ruined everything. And you think in your head, and I know it's so easy to get there, God's done with me. I didn't make just one mistake, I made three and four and five and it just compounded and all the consequences are right in my face all the time and you think there's no hope for you anymore because of the one little mistake that you made that started it all. That is not the gospel. The gospel says you can't make a mistake so big and so bad that Jesus won't forgive you for it. That he's waiting for you to turn back to him and turn away from your foolishness and turn away from your bad choices and turn away from your running and turn back to him and you find his arms wide open, ready to receive you, welcome you back, ready to clean you up. You don't have to do that first, to bring you back and restore you into a right relationship with him, to reconcile you back to him, to redeem you and, and, and cover up a multitude of sins and mistakes and foolishness. And if that's you, let's have a conversation. Let's talk about it. There's no mistake that you've made that God's grace isn't sufficient to cover. And we're going to thank him for that as we follow him because of who he is and what he's done. Let's pray. God, thank you for your love for us and thank you for the truth, this reminder, what foolishness looks like, how easily our hearts wander into the wrong things and wrong paths and bad choices. And thank you for this reminder of grace because of the gospel, because of Jesus, that you call us back and you welcome us back and there's restoration, redemption for all of us that turn to you. And I pray that you would help us to do that. You would help us to trust you and to follow you and find a path of wisdom in this life for your glory and because of Jesus we ask it. In his name, amen.